0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen to The Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett. And on today's episode, we have the amazing Zach and Rock from Squadcast joining us. And we talk all things podcasting. So if you're looking to grow a podcast and interested in why people do it, how do they monetize it and things like that, this is the episode for you. You do not want to miss this one. It's an epic chat that we have, and it's uh, one of our, I think, only three-way podcasts, which is pretty cool. So there's three of us jamming out together, which is pretty cool. So if you are someone who wants to grow a podcast or interested in what that looks like, this is an episode you do not want to miss. So make sure that you sit down, grab a pen and paper, and get ready. And of course, we can help you get ready in your marketing. Just head over to marketingmobile.com.au for all your marketing needs. But until then, let's jump into the show. Gents, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Thanks for having Thanks for us on. having us on, Kim. My absolute pleasure. Now, it might be different for each of you, but if I met you guys out at a party and we're having a chat, maybe a beer or two, and I said, guys, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer?
1: Yeah, well, we get to help podcasters record remote content in studio quality. So that's really helping our mission is to amplify collaboration. And we really bring that to life through a set of tools and technology for helping podcasters connect with their guests anywhere in the world, and then record that conversation for their audience to have a great experience. Awesome. And
0: uh, anything different for yourself, man? You, is, is that your answer as well?
2: It's the, the great answer, the diplomatic answer. It's the CEO answer for sure. Ah. So I definitely <laughs> applaud that. And it is certainly what we do on a, on a day-to-day basis, I guess a little bit more raw of a reaction would be something that our founding advisor, Harry Duran, the host of the podcast junkies podcast would just really hammer and reiterate to to both of us. But for me, it stuck at home because I run the business side of things, the financial side of things more where it leads the, obviously he's the CEO, so he leads the whole company, but especially focuses on the tech side of things. So Harry's advice was, you know, how are you driving more sales? How are you making more customers happy? Like, so that's kind of my approach of looking how I wake up every day is how, who am I serving today? How am I helping podcasters, creators out? Because that's ultimately what's going to help our business continue to survive and thrive. Yeah. Love that. I love getting the two different viewpoints on that as well. So fill me in for people, if
0: they're listening, like obviously they're listening to a podcast right now, hopefully if, or watching this on, on video on YouTube or whatever they might be, but when it comes to, running a podcast. Like I know why I do it, but you just mentioned obviously helping them like grow and improve sales, especially for content creators and things like that as well. How do people leverage and use a podcast when it comes to that? Apart from just obviously great content getting out there, what are some of the different strategies? Because I feel like sometimes people just go, oh, podcasting, like that's cute. But like, what's the, like, what's the end outcome of doing that?
1: There are a lot of them and they're not all necessarily like monetized in kind of, you know, dollars and cents. So some of the the favorites that I've seen are the networking benefits that come from interviewing thought leaders within your field and topic of conversation. There's a social equity that is established through helping people gain access to an audience. Maybe that's an author, maybe that's, you know, somebody looking to, to get their ideas out there in the world. So that's certainly a form of value that, isn't necessarily like an ad that runs at the beginning or the end of your episode. You know, there are others like one of the more common ways that we've seen podcasters and content creators, you know, go pro is to not necessarily monetize their content directly, but use their content as a marketing channel that they own to help to help really drive traffic to a product that they have kind of in parallel in tandem with that so that's you know really really two ways that i'll share and do you you have any others that come to mind rock
2: yeah absolutely so i i kind of think that a, a podcast is becoming just very similar to to having a social media account like i think everybody whether you're a company or an individual you're you're going to have some sort of presence in social media. And I do think that we're seeing a similar pattern happen with podcasting, different use cases. And I think that's, what's cool is like, we all use social media in different ways. Some people it's critical to their business and they get direct revenue from their efforts on social media, but some other people, it's a good way to build their brand or their reputation. And I, I think podcasting is a similar way, but it, you can, in the sense that you can, get different use cases. Like Zach said, you don't have to necessarily get direct sales or direct revenue from your podcast. Like I think a lot of people that enter the space think of the only way to get money from podcasting is to get from advertisers, which is certainly a great and tried and true way and and a successful route because of the unique bond that podcast host has with their listeners. and, And it's had a positive experience for advertisers, but I think there's so many other benefits to building an audience, building relationships with that audience or with your guest who you're interviewing. That's a big part of podcasting as well. So there's so many benefits and I just think it's going to be a part of all of our digital footprints, if you will. And some of us will use it more as the, the entree of our offering and some will have it as an appetizer or dessert, or maybe it's just, it's crumbs to them. But I think we'll all kind of Maybe not everybody will have a podcast, but it'll be similar. Like every company will, everybody, any, any business and and anybody that wants to build influence will, will have a podcast because it's, it's, it's a great way to do it. And
0: obviously you guys being in the space so much and the difference, what do you guys see is the difference between like video podcasts and obviously, and just doing audio only. And like, what, what do you think are some of the pros and cons? Cause I know a lot of people, obviously we do a video podcast. So, you know, I can leverage my skills, which is Facebook advertising and I can pump traffic to it and things like that. But what are you guys seeing as, as the difference or some of the nuances between like having one that does both or just an audio only type podcast?
1: Yeah, well, there, there are some different strategies that we've seen people have success with. So one is that, you know, one of our advisors and and good friends, Pat Flynn, he has his podcast, Smart Passive Income, but he has his YouTube channel, which is under that same brand, but he makes content that's specific to each channel. Sometimes they cross over, but a lot of times he, and this is the same, the same is true for his Instagram, where he creates, you know, kind of platform specific content, but it's all under the umbrella of the smart passive income show. So that's how I think of it uh, from the creator perspective. But also what's interesting is kind of the audience perspective, which is really why we're making this content and working really hard to create it and add value is, is for our audience. So that's really interesting to look into, into your question from that lens. And the Edison Research Infinite Dial Report really confirms that that's how the audience looks at our content is not necessarily. The way we do where we see these lines where i have my podcast i publish it over here i have my youtube channel i publish that over here and all of that for the different channels that we have to the audience it's a show it's just an abstract show and you can access and engage with that content and the creators and the guests and and all of that kind of content universe under that that brand of a show and if they have if they can watch something they can watch it, or if they just have their ears while they're walking or driving or something like that, then
0: you have the content available through those channels as well. Awesome. Anything different you would add to that, Rock? Or you saying what apps you?
2: It's one of the things that we were a little bit skeptical about, to be honest with you, Kim, because Squadcast, the product that we work on and developed, is right now an audio-only platform. We help podcasters connect with their guests from anywhere in the world to record their content remotely in studio quality. But there is a video element to it because we felt like it really benefited and helped the conversation. But because we're engaging with podcasters on a daily basis, we, we like to listen to them. They're professional talkers. And and it's, it's been a very important and key component of our business to listen to these professional speakers and kind of get out of the way and build what they want or what they need. And they've been telling us this, like it's, and again, it's something that I was skeptical about because like Zach said, like. They are different mediums, there are different use cases. It sounds like you know what you're doing as far as Facebook goes, and that's certainly another benefit that we see but that's what we've learned through talk the various talks with podcasters is that they are creating again it comes back to maybe the podcast is the the main entree or where the the bulk of their audience goes but like Pat Flynn's audience, some people are going to get his content on Instagram and that's where they get his value from and so that's That's where he needs to be. And offering video recording is only going to help our customers and all content creators that want to record on Squadcast, just get more out of their content and be everywhere just so that they can reach their audience, wherever the audience is at.
0: And what are you guys thinking for like, you know, into looking into the future of podcasts? Because obviously like one of the things that I've been hearing about and seeing some people talk about as well is that if I post a certain video that maybe I talk about a controversial topic and I post that on my YouTube channel or on Facebook or, and I I haven't seen it or heard as much of it happening on like Apple podcasts and whatnot, but Mm -hmm. you know, where things are getting, you know, completely removed and, and whatnot, like, are you guys looking Going forward, I know there's a there's a platform I heard about the other day called Theta, which is connected with Samsung VR and there being like a blockchain, decentralized video host and things like that. What are you guys seeing as like the future for for podcasts when it comes to people getting, you know, censored on, on a lot of the platforms as well? Yeah, one of the beautiful
1: things, because I mentioned it being kind of an additional marketing channel is a way you can think of a podcast. One of the kind of benefits or superpowers of podcasts compared to some of the other channels is that there are no gatekeepers it's essentially, you know, it's it's decentralized. You have directories where your show can be listed, but there's nothing stopping you from publishing an RSS feed on your domain or your, you know, your hosting platform for your podcast, let's say, you know, Libsyn or Simplecast or Anchor, any of these hosting platforms. I've not seen any of them deplatform people for having content that there's no necessarily, you know, kind of content guidelines that are equivalent on like YouTube or Facebook or something like that. And I think that has its positives and its negatives. Any technology, right, is neutral. It's how we humans choose to apply it. So I think that one of the benefits of podcasting is that you are already decentralized. You don't necessarily need a blockchain infrastructure to decentralize something. That's just Kind of you know one of the ways you can do it but because there's no kind of central hub for podcasting people tend to kind of say that that's one of the weaknesses of podcasting and it, it does have its drawbacks but one of the upsides to that is that you're not going to get deplatformed you are not being censored you're your own filter your own gatekeeper for better or worse so that comes with a lot of responsibility that's really where we encourage people to think about their podcast as kind of a universe, one of the channels of your content, but kind of the hub of that is your website, and you can always have that home base for your audience there, where nobody's really going to come and deplatform you. So that's one of the benefits. But yeah, I am following, you know, a lot of that kind of move towards fact checking and labeling and censorship across the web, and it's it's fascinating from you know being a technologist. So yeah, I, I really appreciate your question for that reason.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's a, it's a very interesting time on a, on a lot of those, you know, the more mainstream platforms. And I love that you said about having that, that hub, because I think a lot of times people forget when, I think you mentioned it rock earlier, where you're like, if you're focusing on a specific platform and you're growing it up, but it's, that also is still someone else's platform, right? If you get oh cool yes. million followers on Instagram, if Instagram kick you off. You don't have those followers; they're not there. So I, I love, and we always iterate. It's like it's like a wheel with spokes. It's like, cool, well, you can have the spokes, but they all got to come back to that core hub, which is your your website. And I think that's that's so important to to have, like like you mentioned there as well. Now, what are some of the things that you guys see? Obviously, speaking with podcasters every day, if someone's out there and they don't have a podcast or in the process of, I know that we've had a few clients who are just about to launch or really wanting to launch them. What are some of the pitfalls that you see at the very beginning, maybe in their first, you know, like 10, 20 episodes that you see, sometimes people go, like, if they just avoided this, it would actually get a much better outcome for them.
2: Yeah, I think it's a common thing that we we see is kind of just afraid to start, maybe, I don't know if it's afraid to start, but just letting things distract you from starting that aren't really going to help your podcast. Specifically, what I'm talking about is like equipment is a big one where people spend a lot of time and money thinking about the mic and headphones. And certainly that's going to help you sound better. And, And that's good that you take your quality seriously. You should, but it's not going to necessarily, it's only going to make your podcast so much better. The content and the consistency of you creating that content is really what's going to make your show better and really build the audience. So, and it's just going to take time. That's the other difficult part about podcasting is the first few episodes are not going to be very good and they probably shouldn't. That's okay. But getting behind the mic, getting reps, you're, you're, you're going to get better. You're going to get more comfortable and, you, and you'll find that people will start to follow and get, get interested in your show. If, if, you know, what you are providing is something that is, you know, considered valuable and, and unmet at the time. I and mean, that's the power of podcasting is just, you can create your own audience within a niche that you, you know, you're into, but you didn't realize all these other people are into as well. It's such a great way to to really build influence, but I think a lot of people, they start off with all this passion and it's unfortunate because I think they are unrealistic of how difficult podcasting is, especially when you start off. So letting stuff like equipment get in the way of that, I think is a big bummer and far too common where we'll see people that are just like recording like 20, 50 episodes and haven't even launched yet because they they haven't got it right yet. And it's like, I, I suppose they're probably better in episode 50 than they were in one, but they still haven't like. Put it out there yet like putting it out there and getting feedback is a, is a great way to, to improve as well so maybe I, I gave you more than a few things the big one is just like not starting i guess
0: oh, i love that anything you add to that zach
2: there's a lot of
1: misinformation out there or kind of glossy information we'll say so i think really that that speaks to rock's point as well where you may choose to kind of focus on the wrong thing or uh, one thing that yeah. And, and so he talked a lot about, you know, equipment. I'll talk about kind of this parallel in software where you kind of get really wrapped up around. I mentioned something before about hosting your podcast. That's one of the common questions we hear at meetups and conferences and just anytime we're having dialogue with the podcast community is this question of how do I host my podcast? And that's a really good question. I'm not putting it down at all. And there's a number of phenomenal companies that we have great relationships with that, that offer that service. My point is that. Once you publish that first episode, the question changes from how do I host my podcast to who's listening and where are they and what can I learn about them? How can I engage with them? So that way I have a a feedback loop and build rapport with my audience. And unless you're intentional about that, you know, some of those things aren't built into podcasting, you'd have to kind of set up uh, your website. So you can, you know, have a newsletter, you have to kind of build a, a community somewhere like so there are some, some kind of pieces that you have under your control and design that you might get for free at on other platforms or other channels. But I think that adds a level of flexibility that can be kind of a little bit like link canvas at first for some folks where it can be a little bit overwhelming. But to come back to the hosting question, it really switches once you publish To who's listening? You know, what can I learn about them? What episodes are doing well? What can I learn about my process so that I can improve it? And that's really where I encourage people to, when they come to face that question, to think about it. Yes, where do you host your podcast and all of those things? But really, what's the analytics? Because your hosting provider turns into your analytics provider. And if you think about it, like you're kind of making this purchase decision based off of one initial question. But over the lifetime of your podcast, you're going to have a bunch of more questions. So I think that's more the, the right way to think about it is how am I going to understand who's listening and which hosting provider provides me with the most robust analytics that's, you know, IAB2 certified compliance. So that way you get the option to monetize in the future, just the standard way to collect those metrics and report on them. But you want to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success in that way. So you, you can really have that feedback
0: loop and learn. Great answer. And I know for myself, when we first launched, luckily, one of my buddies has a podcast production company. So he's just like, "Cool, Kim, you just record and put it into the folder. So I was like, cool. I don't have to worry about these things. I was like, I was like nice. can this microphone work? He's like, yes. I was like, great. And then like hands off, because otherwise I think I would definitely have had that overwhelming feeling and trying to identify the questions to ask. Like, who knows? I was just like, cool, give me the finished episodes and I'll run traffic to them and I'll do what I do best. But next I do, I want to tie into that as well and going, because I'm like, you know, apart from hosting podcasts, we have advertising agencies. So I'm a marketer, I'm an advertiser. So I'm always like, cool. What's the hacks? What's the, sh- like, how do I, you know, get, you know, blow up and get 100,000 listeners? And I know that probably the technical and best answer is there's no shortcuts to success, be consistent, consistently produce content and blah, blah, blah. But if you guys were to be like, cool, there are a few things that maybe there's one or two things that you guys notice They go, it does have a real positive impact on a podcast, what would like one or two things that you guys have seen from all the people that you guys have worked with that pop up and you're like, this is something that might give you a little bit of extra juice?
1: Yeah, I think one that is, I don't know how obvious it is, but yeah, the one that I'll share is that when you interview people and they have their own audience and maybe they interview you, you get this very nice kind of viral growth from symbiosis from multiple audiences. So in other Channels or marketing channels, you have a sense of kind of competition, like you're kind of having a turf war to try to gain as much real estate as you can within that niche or that topic. It's almost exactly the opposite in podcasting, where it's to your benefit to go and create content and collaborate in a very constructive way with the other content creators within your category because you all have your strengths you all bring something unique through your voice and the way that you choose to improv conversations with the guests that you interview or the topic that you talk about but you know they have their audience as well and there's overlap there it's probably not 100% if it's a Venn diagram but you know maybe it's like 60% or 80% and that's really how audience growth works within podcasting is why you have so many people kind of doing episode swaps with each other or interviewing each other because That is really, if the metric you're looking to improve is audience and listening, there are other metrics, right? So, Rock, maybe you have another metric that we can choose. But if you want to grow your show, that's the tried and true way that's kind of less obvious because it's not really like that in other channels.
0: Yeah, I love that. I'll just come to you in a sec, Rock, as well. And as you say, because normally it's like you wouldn't be out there and be like, here is my competitor, you know, also look at them. Right. Yeah. As you say, like on, on, on a Facebook ad, it's like, hey, hit te- look, also check out this company. But like you mentioned, if you do do that swap there because it's down to the voice, the way that people interact with you and they go, oh, wow, like, actually, I like this person equally or, or maybe more. And in, in that case, it's great. And it's great to share those audiences. So I love that point. What about for yourself, Rock? What's a little maybe not so well-known tip you've got there?
2: Yeah, I wish I had something super insane to share. All I know how to do is show up every day and try to get 1% better. So I am not the hack expert, unfortunately. I will say that, in addition to what Zach said, it, it's kind of similar, but there's a lot of people that think podcasting is great for people that already have an audience and that they can just bring it on to the podcast and that they can just build that unique relationship with the podcast. I think that's why a lot of people or podcast networks, companies, they are attracted to bringing on celebrities because that's a, a no-brainer that they're going to bring on an audience. However, I think the difference is sustaining that audience and that engagement. So again, I, I just don't think there's any substitute for, for consistency, but what Zach said has been very beneficial for, for us because it's fun being on other people's shows. We love talking, but it's just, we're getting introduced to an audience that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise. So Kim, again, thank you for the opportunity.
0: No, absolutely pleasure i gotta say it's i always love sharing other people's viewpoints as well and that's how we've grown our podcast as well which i think is always just great and obviously we mentioned a few things at the beginning and i want to kind of circle back to one or two which is around when people think about the like should people start out if they are about to start a podcast or just started the whole like monetization aspect we mentioned that like going pro you can obviously share your own products and services you can look for advertising like at what like should that be a forethought? At the beginning, or is that something that once you, you've built consistency, you've built community, then you should assess? What's your guys' viewpoint on that?
1: I think it's similar to how we built our startup. There's a, lot, there's a lot of parallels, in fact, between a startup and doing a podcast independently. And our approach to that, there's like one way, right, where you go and raise a bunch of capital and you uh, build out a team and really run at the problem as fast as you can. The other way, like we did, was to kind of self-fund and be more of an independent funding route and i think that there's a number of parallels there so to come back to your question it's something that sorry i got so caught up in that in telling that piece of it that i forgot the question so i want to make sure that i answer it can you uh, can you say that again apologies kim
0: yeah so j- just around like should you think at the beginning about like the monetization aspect oh, right. or is it like once you build a community Yeah, the way we think about it is, is optionality.
1: So you want to be setting yourself up for success. So you have those options, if you choose to monetize it, if you choose to productize it, if you choose to use it as part of a larger brand or ecosystem, like rock mentioned networks, podcasting networks, you just want to make sure that you're probably not going to have any of those things on day one. But there are things that you can do, like choosing a hosting platform that provides analytics that meet that standard that I mentioned. That gives you the option in the future, once you do have audience that can kind of garner that, that CPM, you can point at that data and say, this is legit. I've been collecting it since day one. And I don't have to like, you know, switch my hosting analytics provider once I start to get to that level and then find out, oh, my numbers are completely different over here on this platform. So there's a lot of things like that where you can set yourself up for success so you have those options to grow in those ways. You know, like a startup, there's all sorts of opportunities to experiment with your content through different segments on your show. You can look at you know, where the drop off is in your episode, where people you know, listen the most, engage with comments. There's all sorts of things that you can do to experiment. To really find out what the answer to that question is, but you don't really want to like rule any of those options out. So that's how I tend to think about it.
0: Awesome, love that. Rock, would you add anything to that?
2: I think if you can go into it intentionally with having a plan on how to productize or monetize, that's that's always great. But if you don't, if you're listening and you don't have that plan, like I wouldn't beat yourself up over it, or don't let it prohibit you from starting your podcast. Like it's okay if you don't have that figured out. I think it's just like it's just a plus. Because we've heard so many really inspiring stories of folks that maybe they did go into the podcast with intentions on monetizing. So an example that comes to mind is a podcast called A Bar Above. They they started in Oakland, which is where, where we're based out of. But I believe they they moved to SoCal. But we had the opportunity to see them speak or present at a local meetup on their story. And their original hypothesis for the podcast was to niche down on speaking to premium cocktail bartenders. I, I don't know if that's the, the the best term for them, but they, they were just mixologists. They weren't just making a rum and coke. They were they were doing <laughs> other stuff, and so they're, they're true crafts people. And and so this show was kind of giving those type of bartenders the latest and greatest on best tips and news and industry trends and stuff like that and what they thought the podcast was going to be a marketing vehicle for is their i believe it was like bartending courses and it ended up falling flat they but they put in a lot of time and effort and the the team they're like really you know famous people in that niche and it it didn't work out but what they figured out was that they could productize mixologist level bartending tools. And so then they found that way to monetize. And so again, it wasn't necessarily intentional or intuitive at first, but they they figured it out along the way. And to me and Zach, when we heard that story early on, it was super inspiring because a big part of this is we want podcasters to get paid, but it, it can't just be advertising. That's the only option. And so hearing stories like that, and we've heard a few others where a lot of people are funded by apps like Patreon, where their their audience is basically paying for their services or their content, which is another beautiful thing. And we can list off a few other podcasters that we know who are are making you know full full incomes based on on their audience. And it's just so that's not ads aren't the only way. It's certainly a way, but I think if you can go into it with any type of intentions, you're, you're a little bit ahead of the game and, and you obviously are taking it seriously, which is definitely something I think is, is important, is differentiating between a professional mindset and an amateur mindset. But don't be discouraged, or don't think that podcasting is not for you if you, if you don't have these big, grand monetization plans.
1: Over planning can actually work against you and feel very rigid mm-hmm. over time, and that's why I, you know, to come, that's why I mentioned the experimental element to it. Like you can totally change these things and and be malleable, but it does help to have kind of a design, but don't feel like locked in and very
0: rigid to that. Yeah, I think that's a a great point because otherwise, as we mentioned earlier, people just won't do anything then because they're like, oh, I don't have my perfect plan. But uh, no, I love that point. Now, as we get towards the end of our time here together, I always like to ask the same question to everyone at the end, which is, what's a question that I didn't ask you guys that I should have?
2: That's such a good one. I love these ones that (laughs) stump me. Yeah maybe like, what's a bad reason to start a podcast? I don't know. Cause we just, it's like the anti podcast. Cause we talk so Mm. much about pro podcasting and I I do love podcasting. So I'm not trying to put anything negative out there, but I don't know. I'm just thinking of a wild question that we don't get answered. I don't know. Zach, do you got something better? Hopefully you do. That's a really (laughs) good one. I I hadn't thought about that either.
0: Yeah. let's, yeah, let's, Let's do that one. What, what is a bad reason to start a podcast?
1: Well, I, I think that there's some, and we touched on this briefly, but there's some, there's definitely some, some elements to podcasting that are because it's such a nascent and ever-evolving medium and and channel, is that it's still relatively in its infancy, and I think that that's beautiful through some perspective because there's it's there's a lot of innovation, like with us at Squadcast, we can help improve the quality and the listener's experience through some technology that helps you record, but. That's something that is actively being defined. So I think that on some level that can feel kind of, you know, the adoption curve in kind of technology and startups and stuff. It's kind of like we're not necessarily at like this very solid place where there's a defined ecosystem and there's all of these things. It is certainly solidifying and becoming more defined and people are working to establish, you know, agreed upon standards and things like that. But I think from newcomers perspective, that can be a little jarring if you're not necessarily like an early adopter on that adoption curve. So I think, you know, and and we see this in the industry OGs that we have the pleasure of working with where, you know, they were pirate radio, they were writing by hand their own RSS feed, they were figuring out how to host these MP3 files on their web servers and not have it fall down if they had a successful episode you know, and and now we're to a place where there's services for these common needs, standards, bodies emerging, like one that we have the pleasure of contributing to is the Podcast Taxonomy Consortium, which is a relatively new effort between companies within our industry to define roles that people can use for common jobs within podcasting. So that way you can, if you're at, you know, Pineapple Street Media, and you want to be working over at Spotify, you can have that common confidence in your job description to say, you know, move within the industry. And that's, I think, you know, very similar to what we see on like IMDB within movies. So there's all of these pieces that are that are actively solidifying. So I would say that that's going to be less true over time, but kind of for the time being and in the in the past for podcasting, there's elements to it that are like, you know, this is kind of nascent and amateurish, but I think that that's changing overall. And the whole industry
0: is professionalizing in lots of ways awesome love that what about for yourself rock any any other ones that pop out to you as a bad reason to start
2: yeah so i think if you think that you and your friends Are gonna turn on a microphone and just wing it and be the next Joe Rogan, it's probably not gonna work out. So having some sort of a plan and strategy and and topic is very important. And you know, it's it's totally fine to do that if that's what you're if you're just coming at it from a hobbyist perspective. But I think our the audience that we're speaking to here is is more professional focused and coming at it with a professional mindset. So I think. You're going to have to put in a little bit more effort in the planning to reach that level, but it'll go a long way, and you'll you'll really. I mean, it's a common pitfall that we see is just people kind of they have the passion, but they don't have a plan, and and you really to, to go far, you'll you'll need both.
1: Another that I'll mention is like an ego pursuit. I think the the podcasts that really succeed and thrive, like businesses, are the ones that are in service of having a positive experience and you know a really value driven experience for the people that are either, you know, in our case like, you know, buying and subscribing to our technology service, but in the podcast world, that's that's your listener. So, if you're not making decisions with your listener as the the benefactor of that, that's kind of a tweaked, you know, version of reality. So, that's what we're always kind of trying to encourage podcasters is like, how does your choice in microphone help your audience? How does your choice in podcast hosting provider help your audience? And with Squadcast, it's very clear how we help your audience. And that's because, you know, we
0: always come back to that question. I love that. And now for, if anyone's listening in there, like, I kind of like what these guys are about. These guys sound like cool guys. I want to find out more. Where's the best place for people to connect online to find out more about what you guys are up to? Yeah, we are incredibly, you know,
1: part of the podcast community and grateful to be able to play that role and work with the community directly through through listening and, you know, community events. and conferences back when that was kind of a thing. But you know, in the meantime, we're on social media at Squadcast FM. We have a phenomenal new community manager, Ariel, who is really, really proving lots of things. So we just had a Facebook group start like yesterday, or I think it's officially today. So so check out that. And online, we are at squadcast.fm. We have seven day free trial if you want to start your podcast. It's super easy and Our technology just kind of gets out of your way, but really helps you have quality and reliable remote podcast interviews. So we'd love the opportunity to help you get that show started. Or if you're already a professional, you know, we can help you take it
0: to that next level. We're always available at squadcast.fm. Awesome. Love that. Guys, thank you so much. And if you've listened to this, guys, and you know someone who is thinking of starting a podcast or has a podcast, you should definitely share this episode with them and let them get some of the knowledge that Zach and Rock have shared with us here today. And of course, make sure that you subscribe so that you hear these episodes before anyone else does. And guys, thank you so much again for joining us. Really appreciate you making
2: the time. Thank you so much, Kim. Appreciate it.